0: Three, two, one, roll the foot. Welcome back, everybody. Simon Severino here, your host. Today, we explore with the CEO of Red Clover Advisors, how to navigate the next cookie-less world, how companies are going to collect even more data, why we should couple belief with persistence, why we should keep going, especially when it feels hard. Welcome everybody, Jody Daniels.
1: Well, hi, thank you so much for having me. Great to be here.
0: Jody, what are you currently working on?
1: Well, so many things at the same time, actually. I'm working with a company who is looking to acquire another company. So we're doing some due diligence, helping write a series of privacy notices, helping a variety of companies figure out which privacy law applies to them and what it is that they need to be doing with it. And then my favorite is that intersection of marketing and privacy, working with companies on can I send that email, should I send that email, who should get that email, what should be in it, where's that privacy line. So multiple projects always at the same time and all different sides of where privacy really can interact
0: super relevant questions to our audience who are all entrepreneurs and they send emails for good or worse it's still the heart of 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 every business that's listening right now and and they might have questions "Hmm, where is the gray zone how to navigate that effectively and one thing that i actually am super curious about you say hey we are going uh, cookie less and this. This is changing the way we do business right now. And can you unpack that a little bit more? I don't think everybody knows this. What's, what's the implication of the cookielessness?
1: Sure. Well, it started with uh, probably, honestly, the idea of opting in to cookies, which began in the EU several years ago. And then from there, it the, the browsing companies, the browsers have for years, some of them, have said, you know what, I don't like tracking and cookies. Where we are today is Apple has dropped third-party cookies from its app, and it kind of always dropped third-party cookies from Safari, but now iOS doesn't have that anymore unless I opt in. So it's taken that same opt-in model from the EU and applied it across all apps. So anyone listening, if you haven't updated an app in a while, go update it. And then you're going to see a little pop-up that comes asking, is it allowed to track you or not? Very few people have opted in to track. Google has followed suit, though Google has delayed their implementation and their rollout. And and it kind of keeps getting delayed. So we're probably looking at 2023 these days. And then Mozilla Firefox has always been no third-party cookies. And you have a variety of other browsers that are dedicated to this concept of we're cookie We're all about come here, do your search and do your search and that's it. We're, we're going to make money in other ways, not by tracking you. And so that's really kind of how we're in this cookie world is it's a little bit of the law, but it's really quite honestly the technology companies who are changing the technology that's available. Why does it,
0: why was it named cookie in the first place and what was its original function?
1: Mm. I will have to be honest. The exact reason why it's cookie, I don't know the exact cookie cookie. I personally am a chocolate chip cookie fan, so I'll just go with that. But its original origin um, was for measurement And, and it wasn't about tracking you throughout the universe. It wasn't meant to be hundreds of companies connecting data points and sending it across an ecosystem that was not its original purpose. And, and that's kind of where we are today. And like so many of the changes or laws or rules, it comes because someone did something and pushed it too far. It's kind of like in kindergarten class where the rule got set because someone violated and did something mean they hit someone. No hitting, everyone has to sit down. Or you have to wait till the teacher opens the door and then you can all file out it's sort of the same here you had companies misuse the ability for tracking and they collected more data than they should have and they didn't tell people and they just packaged it all up and sold it there's a lot of good that cookies can provide unfortunately you have so many companies who didn't do what they were supposed to or didn't do right by the customer. They put the company first, not the customer first. And now we're in where we are today. Hmm.
0: The next thing is you say, they will collect even more data now. Can you tell us more?
1: Well, if we don't have cookies to rely on, we're still going to want to connect. We still want to share our message, identify new customers. We have to find other ways of how to do that. And one of them is going to be email. Email is a great place to be able to communicate one-on-one. Email open rates, it's still a, a prevalent way that people are communicating in society. You can also share a lot of information multiple times. It's relatively inexpensive to do so. That means for anyone who doesn't have strong email databases, they're going to want to build one. Or if you have a strong one, you're going to want to build more and maybe add more details to it. For example, if you just have my name, you don't know a lot about me. Maybe you're going to want to ask more questions to figure out how old am I? What are my interests? What demographic am I in? So you might ask me more questions. And again, for those people who don't have any emails, they're going to want to figure out how are you going to convince me to share my email in the first place. So there's going to be this movement to collect first party data, as it's known, which is kind of ironic because the cookie data is not nearly as specific as my name and all of my interests. But that's the reality of where we are. For people to opt into that information and be willing to share, here's who I am. Here's information about me. Here's what I like. Please send me more information. I'm going to need to trust the company. And if I don't trust the company, I'm going to give you bad data so I can just get the thing that I'm looking for from you. And you're going to think and build your modeling or attempt to understand your audience with wrong data and inaccurate data. And that's not really going to help you. So what we have to do is convince people and build a connection and build a relationship so that they trust us And then they'll be willing to give us more information. And maybe at the beginning, you start with email. Hey, thanks for signing up for my email so I can make sure I deliver valuable content. Can you tell me what types of information you'd be interested in? Give me some choices. Maybe over time, you continue down that path as you continue to build more information. Asking for about 50 data points on the first time is probably not the way to go.
0: So that's the technical part and thank you for, for helping us understand it. Now, the second part, now we go even deeper into the mindset of the entrepreneur in, in this dynamic world. We should couple belief with persistence. Why?
1: I love the concept of the underdog because the person who keeps trying with a strong work ethic, has a significant chance of achieving their goal compared to the person who, maybe it just came easy, and maybe I'm kind of lazy, and hopefully it'll all just magically work. right? The person who shows up at practice and who continues to try and hit the ball, or who continues to try and do whatever new trick they're trying, or if it's at work, they're trying to learn something new and they just keep at it, those people are going to learn what from their mistakes. They're going to learn what really matters compared to the person who says, oh, I can do that. They just show up and they do whatever. It might not even be their best performance. So for me, I've always had a goal of a variety of goals. And the way I've always achieved them is through persistence. I I want to get there. And if I don't the first time, well, what is it that I need to do the next time? And I just think that this concept of a strong work ethic and a goal is kind of wrapped around this concept of persistence and never giving up and that's how you can and whatever the goal is it doesn't have to be business it can be personal too and and it's what is relevant for you
0: is that the reason why immigrants and minorities are usually better suited entrepreneurs and more more successful entrepreneurs
1: well i think if you look at that you're going to have someone who's in a foreign country and needs to survive. So that survival instinct is kind of similar to persistence, right? It's, well, what am I going to do? I have to keep going. If I don't, then I'm. what's going to happen? I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to be able to make it here. So the idea of having to push through because there's no other option, I think, is that survival instinct, and they're persisting. If I sort of have all my basic needs met, but I want to achieve something more, that it's that same push. It's that inner fire and inner desire. And I don't think you can teach that. That's something that people just have to have. They just want something so badly that they're willing to put everything on the line to, to get there or to have some type of a path and not give up and modify as necessary to keep going where, where it is they're trying to get to.
0: I read a book from Seth Godin, which I liked a lot. It's it's called The Dip, which is about when should I give up? So Mm. at the beginning, every project is fun. And then comes this stage where, oh my God, this is so hard. Should I stop it? Or should I pursue? And so how do you tackle that? When should we stop doing something? When should we pursue? How do we know if it's if it's now a moment to, to 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 pursue,
1: yeah, it's a great question. It's a great point that he made. I I don't think there's a perfectly technical answer, right? I do think depending what the goal is, there should have been some analysis in there. For example, is it a technical skill that you're trying to meet, and is is it a physical thing? Your body physically might not be able to get there. If it's um, so you kind of have to look at what the requirements are to achieve the goal and is there any type of literal physical implementation that's going to be an obstacle? If it's um, such an egregious goal to where you are, is it too too fast? do I need to break it down into smaller pieces? Because maybe what I thought I could do is I just didn't I didn't make it completely realistic and I need to bring it down a little bit. I think that balance, that part of the conversation, and I'd like to say sort of the inner feeling, but I know that there's a lot of people listening and their inner feeling might be negative first. So that doesn't, that works if you're a very optimistic person, you kind of have that inner feeling, you sort of know. However, I know that doesn't apply to everyone. So for them, it's, you really have to look at what is it going to take to meet the goal? And how attainable and realistic, and how many step by steps can you do to get there in whatever reasonable time period it is? And then I think it's you're able to say, okay, that probably won't won't work. There's lots of kids in the universe who all want to be president. There's only going to be one president. Maybe you have to really look at the age, your demographics, uh, your your um, interests, your political vision You have to look at all these different things. And then you might realize, okay, well, so maybe I'm not going to be president of the United States or of any country. Maybe I'll be president of a particular organization that's meaningful for me. And what is it that I wanted to be president for? And instead, how can I wrap that around something that is meaningful to me? To me, that's sort of an example of where you might be able to find that balance.
0: I'm so curious who you nominate for the strategy award after one word from our sponsors. Hey, if you like the tools, go grab them for free at strategysprits.com slash tools. So when everybody's zigging, this person is zagging, but from your perspective, they're doing the right thing. Who do you pick?
1: I pick someone named Ryan Levesque of the Ask Method company. And what I love about Ryan, and I've uh, been reading his uh, books and using his materials, and I'm a student of Ryan for years. Is that he has a vision? And talking about persistence, he has a vision, and he wraps the entire organization around that vision to move forward. And other people might be doing some other thing over here on the side. And his goal is mm, this is this is my vision, and this is where we're going. There's always going to be some kind of interruption and cool, shiny object syndrome over here, but is staying the course. Now, moving appropriately, because in the marketing world especially, things are changing. And the business world, it's all all changing. Everyone has to learn to pivot and move accordingly. And I believe, and it's been a pleasure to be able to watch the organization continue to grow and flourish on the Inc. 5000 lists. And I think he exemplifies what that zigging and zagging appropriately can be
0: what are you excited about your own company when you look forward to the next three years what excites you
1: significant opportunity privacy has been something that was sort of this ah what is that those like legal thing i just need a privacy notice that's kind of it and instead 50% of people not buying from a company because they don't feel comfortable. They don't trust the company because of what they're gonna do with the data. You have 80% of people not feeling comfortable with the data. To me that a company is collecting, to me that's a huge opportunity. And we have a variety of laws kind of catching up with consumer views. And now companies are embracing this idea of privacy first, of building trust. For anyone marketing, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to sell someone on a product or service because the person can trust it's going to be a great product and service. Well, now we also have to extend that to privacy and that companies are waking up to this realization and adopting it in a favorable way is really exciting.
0: What is a positive thing that COVID brought for you or for your business?
1: The ability to connect with people all across the country for me, my business was actually always remote, but I've been able to really network and build relationships with people that it wouldn't have otherwise, because it would have been in a traditional one-on-one in person environment. And so some of the organizations that I'm a part of where we've been able to connect virtually and it's been accepted. And then the other kind of fun thing is I was always had the video capabilities but no one turned their video on and now magically overnight everyone turned their video on. And um, now you actually have to go back and say, is it okay if it's a phone call because we can't always video. (laughs) (laughs) I think just the connection has, has been favorable. The other thing is I think people have been able to really get to know the person on the other side and it's not the kind of the levels of people have been removed and everyone's been more considered equal. I've been on a phone call with other CEOs and their kids are running around in the background or the dogs barking or the doorbells ringing. And it was okay. And I think before people would have thought, oh my gosh, well, I have to be all prim and proper. And we're all just people trying to live and and everyone has the same, maybe not same scenarios, but we all have similar type things that we're trying to work through. And I like that it's kind of leveled people to be, um, to be more equal.
0: That's beautiful. Who should be my next guest?
1: Well, I love uh, my good friend, Kara Brown. And she is a dynamo in the marketing industry and is a fellow entrepreneur here in Atlanta. And I think she would be a fabulous guest.
0: Beautiful. What have you recently changed your mind about?
1: I like I my mind every day <laughs> um, about, about something. Uh, I really do. And I think that might be part of an entrepreneur. You sort of see something and then the next day you're out in the universe and you realize, oh, well, actually what I just did over there, I could make so much better by doing it this way. Uh, but I think it's a little bit about how I view um, people. I love the book and I don't know if we're going to get to this one, but I love the book Who Not How that I was recently introduced to by Dan Sullivan. And to me, that's really opened my eyes to the idea of I knew I couldn't always do it all myself, but instead of thinking, well, how am I going to get that done? Because I don't have the time to also do that. I can think about, I really want to get that done now. Hmm, Who could I have? Could I have person A, person B or person C? And so I really like that. I, I guess I've changed how I view getting Work done and out the door.
0: So, oh, I'm curious now. So, you you have found the key to the to this difficult conundrum of delegation and of automation. So, what do you do differently now? Do you have now a bigger team, or how do you implement it?
1: Well, I definitely do have a bigger team. So, I very excitingly hired full time consultants um, earlier this year. I had always had. A group of consultants I worked with but really trying to build a brand and a culture and a team approach and grow the company so that's really exciting but at this and realizing that they can do certain things so like here you you own that piece of the company you make it yours and what is meaningful to you and then I've also built a kind of a bench of other service providers who can help me and I've I think I've continuously tried to find the right cadence and fit for me for that and sort of um that's a always a working puzzle. I'm also getting better at understanding what will be successful and what I want that vision to look like and how I communicate. And I think all of that's a little bit of trial and error for each person. What is it that you want that assistance with? Previously, I would always think it was me. I ha- I have the knowledge and I have to own it. And now I'm trying to learn how I can package that knowledge up and let someone else who's an expert at writing be able to help Ryan or an expert at the graphic design, which I am totally not an expert at graphic design. So I didn't even try. Um, Always knew I needed those folks, but just being able to use my community of being able to say who can help me with X, Y, and Z. And instead of always feeling like it was on me, really realizing I can have different people in my universe. And I'm a firm believer in people to do what they do best and that they like because they'll shine.
0: This is so important. And we, we are right now thinking about outsourcing versus So who should we have in the team and who should we have outside the team. Because next week in our mastermind, we have a, a big, big um, session about outsourcing with the CEO of onlinejobs.ph who outsources everything and just works 20 hours and spends time with his five kids. And, uh, and his business is flourishing and he has a great life. So we are discussing a lot, what to insource, what to outsource. And the hardest step seems to be the beginning of what you have just described. How was your beginning from, I have to do this my own to, okay, how can I delegate?
1: It's really hard. (laughs) I'm still learning. (laughs) Maybe I need to join your session. So it's, um, it's definitely a work in process and I think part of it is realizing that the biggest piece of it, it's all with you, is that you have to communicate out because someone else can package it and can can do it. You just have to teach them. And just like whatever it is that I do, I had to learn. You had to learn what you do. We all had to learn whatever area. And that means someone else can learn it too. And so there is a little bit of a learning curve for both you and the person. And getting comfortable with the learning curve is really helpful getting clear on what you want so being specific is going to be helpful and also and i'm sure you hear this many times is having a repeatable process having the same steps that you want done all the time documenting what it is that you're looking for because people can learn your industry they can learn your tone they can learn what's important to you and then you want it to be repeatable so that you're not doing that every single time all over again and I feel like those would be the big pieces to to be able to outsource. And some things are easier to outsource than others finance and billing. That's something I, I really owned for a long time. And now I'm in the process over the last couple months outsourcing that you don't need to necessarily know the business for, for a finance and an accounting function. That's a little bit different. I do recommend strong privacy and security controls when it comes to some of those things. But for some of the other areas of your company, it's, I think, just being a good leader of having a clear vision and articulating strong communication and what the goals and the outcomes should be.
0: Beautiful. And what are th- three books that inspired you?
1: Well, I mentioned one, but I'll mention it again, which is Who Not How by uh, Dan Sullivan. Really love the philosophy of that. An Old goody, Good to Great by Jim Collins, love that book. And then a fun one of Oh, The Places You'll Go by Dr. Seuss. Every time I read Oh, The Places You'll Go, it doesn't matter uh, how old, but I have kids. And every time I read it to them, I I learn every time. It's such a good reminder and kind of connects with what we talked about earlier on persistence, because no matter what age you are, you're going to run into some type of hurdle. And you have the the world is your oyster expression, right? Everything is at your fingertips and it's going to be... Kind of a roller coaster ride, but you can, you can have what you make of it.
0: why is the expression an oyster? Cause I, I never got that.
1: Um, it's another one. I don't know exactly its origin, but from my point of view, the idea of the world is your oyster is, um, it's beautiful. It's open inside is a pearl. So it's kind of whatever, however big you want it to be. You can, you can have it that way. It's, good. So it's really meant to be you a know, big opportunity. It's it's however big and wide you want it to be and however beautiful you want it to be, you can.
0: Beautiful. Where can people find Jody Daniels? Where do you hang out?
1: I hang out the most on LinkedIn. So you can find me there, Jody Daniels, uh, companies, Red Clover Advisors, our website, redcloveradvisors.com. And we have all kinds of content and information on everything you ever wanted to know around privacy and a lot on the cookie marketing pieces that we talked about here.
0: Super cool. Thank you so much, Judy, for sharing your journey, your wisdom with us. Please come back soon.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Avoid trying to do
0: thousands of things that doesn't work. We have 274 templates for your business success. Reach your ambitious goals with one-on-one Sprint Coach. We double your revenue in 90 days